it is my trust and my desire that each and every one of you will make sure that one day you have a uh, place there on Hallelujah Square also. Amen. And uh, what a blessing it is. You know, it's a blessing to me to know that the Lord takes care of us here and the Lord takes care of us there in heaven as well. You know, he's already there. He's prepared mansions for us there in heaven. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe mine might be next door to yours. I don't know. It might be down the street. But it really doesn't matter because we'll all get together and we'll all be praising Jesus there. And what a sweet, sweet blessing that's going to be. Well, it's good to be in God's house today. And again, I want to say thank you to everyone who helped out with Vacation Bible School this week, all the donations and the mission money and so forth. I know the Dean family will be greatly appreciative of that and uh, what a blessing it will be to them when they receive that. And so, you know, it's just the fact that God is just so good to us. We did have one saved this week in Vacation Bible School. We had two to rededicate their life. And uh, as we get around to speak to their parents, we will be baptizing uh, all three of them here in the church. And so we just want to say thank you, Lord, you know, for the blessings that he's given unto us. And, uh, yes, there was a contest uh, throughout the... Um, vacation Bible school this week between the boys and the girls and by the end of the week it looked like Pastor Tim was going to get a pie in the face but praise the Lord <laughs> the the boys finally won out and so Miss Debbie actually got the pie in the face and so I want to thank her personally for doing that and uh, again thank y'all for bringing uh, your money in for this you know it's all in fun we enjoy it. I know the kids enjoyed it as well, and what a sweet, sweet blessing it is to do these things. All right, if you have the Word of God with you, please turn to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1 today. Jonah chapter 1. When you find your place in Jonah chapter 1, we're going to be begin reading in verse 1 of that chapter. Jonah chapter 1, and you can go ahead and stand as we begin reading the word of the Lord. I believe our softball team had their tournament yesterday, and I think they, they made it through the first two games, I think, and then they were on their way home. <laughs> I won't say any more about that. <laughs> There's always next year team, amen. All right, as long as we go with the Lord, we're always winners. It doesn't matter. All right, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare to Tarshish, excuse me, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. 
And they said, Everyone to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Let me uh, point out something to you here. Remember the first question they asked him, what his occupation was? He fails to answer that question, doesn't he? We'll talk about that in a minute. In verse uh, 10, he says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, as we come and approach your blessed throne of grace, we thank you, Lord, for watching over us. Father, we do thank you for the decisions that were made in Vacation Bible School this week. We thank you already for this day, Lord, and how your Holy Spirit is working in us. And, Father, through each and every person, we thank you for the Sunday School lesson, Lord, and, and, Father, how it spoke to our hearts. And we ask now, Father, that you might take charge once again, have your will and your way in all things that are said and done here. Father, undergird me, give me unction, Lord, to speak your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated today. In a few short moments, we're going to see the downfall of, of a man whom God wanted to use. And I believe sometimes in our world today that there are people that God wants to use, and yet they do something that is quite opposite of what God wants them to do. And that is that when God wants them to be used, and He wants to bless them and, and bless others through them, those people run from God. This morning I want to speak to you on that subject, running from God, running from God. Now I will tell you in this world today there are many people that run from God. They run from Him because that He has convicted them of their sins and He desires for them to be saved. He desires for them to open up their hearts and to yield unto Him. He desires for them to listen and hear with their ears and also hear with their hearts. And when God begins to call upon people sometimes to be saved and when God also calls upon people to get their lives right, sometimes those people will run from God. They'll run away from that conviction. They'll run away from the things that God wants them to do. And this is exactly the picture we see here with Jonah as he ran from God away from Nineveh. 
Now, as we close this lesson out today, we'll share with you about how Jonah eventually did get to Nineveh. But before that happened, he ran from God. And so as we look at this downfall, as we look at the problems that caused this, this downfall and the reasoning why he was running from the Lord, I, I want you to understand today, dear friends, that, that God has an open door for you to get back. God has an opportunity for you to get back with Him. He has an opportunity for you to get close to Him once again. You say, Preacher, uh, I, I'm not where I, I used to be. I'm not as close as I used to be with the Lord, and I do want to get back. Well, God offers you that opportunity. He wants you to be close to Him. He wants you to be close to Him so He can use you. You say, Preacher, I don't, I don't want God to call me to preach. I don't want God to call me into the mission field or to be an evangelist. Listen, God calls us into so many things and walks of life. There are so many opportunities that you and I have today that if we would just put ourselves out there for the Lord and let the Lord use us, He would. So many opportunities. Now, uh, Brother Woody was speaking this morning in Sunday school class about spiritual gifts and, and various many spiritual gifts God gives us when He saves us. But listen, dear friend, God enables us when He saves us to do whatever He will call us to. In other words, if God calls you to do a task, God will enable you with the ability to complete that task. He'll enable you with the ability to start it, to, uh, to continue it in the middle of it, and then to finish it. Remember Jesus, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, He said these words, It is finished. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed, Father, if it be Thy will, let this cup pass from me. But if not... And so God enabled Jesus himself, all the ability, all the tools, everything he needed to complete his job here on this earth. And there in the garden of Gethsemane, he prayed. And, and as he prayed, uh, the Bible says his sweat became as great drops of blood. And he prayed and he prayed. And yet God still enabled him and gave him the ability, no matter how agonizing that prayer was, no matter how agonizing it was in his life, knowing that he was about to go to the cross and give his life up no matter how agonizing the pain was going to be in his body he made sure that he continued on and so there when he's on the cross and he says it is finished he's saying unto his father God father I've done everything you have called me to do I've done everything you've asked me to do now I give my life up how much of a blessing is that to us today that God would do these things for us and so if God enables us then why do we run from God God even enables us for the opportunity for salvation today. Do you know He convicts you? And He doesn't just convict you one time. God sends conviction to us many, many times in our life. And, and sometimes He sends that, that conviction in a strong way. And the next Sunday it might not be as strong, but then it continues to, get, continues to work and work and work. And God gives us an opportunity. But listen, dear friend, God's not going to continue giving you opportunities if you continue running away from Him. God loves us. But God is also a just God. And God's going to judge our sins. And He's going to judge us for the things that, that we have not done unto Him. And so I want to speak to you here for just a few moments about running from God. Jonah was a prophet whom God had a specific task for. We might call Jonah a picture of today's everyday Christian, if you will. The everyday Christian, God has something for them to do, but yet sometimes they find opportunities and everything that they can figure out to get away from doing something for the Lord. 
In fact, the saddest thing is that this thing actually can happen to the Christian and that they do then reject God and His call to service. I'm so thankful that God called me. Amen? I'm thankful, first of all, that He called me to be saved. Secondly, I'm thankful that He called me to preach the gospel. I don't know what God might be calling you into, but I do know this. His Word tells us that He has called every single person. Now, I want you to notice this, this morning, first of all, the directive that comes from God. If you will, look with me back in verses 1 and 2. Notice he says here, Now the word, and then notice this phrase, of the Lord. Notice again he says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. The, the directive here is the fact that God had a plan for Jonah. Do you know today, dear friend, that God has also a plan for you? Now, you may not be aware of that plan yet, but God has that plan. Back when God saved me, He had a plan for my life. I did not know it when I was growing up. I did not know it when uh, I got saved. I did not know it until later on after I was saved, and I realized that God was calling me to do something. I didn't know exactly what at that point, and so I went and spoke to my pastor about it, and my pastor shared with me some things that I needed to do and then come back to him when I knew for sure that God had called me. And he did not tell me that he had called me to preach. It was God who told me that. God has the plans for our life today and sometimes we veer off that path and that plan and as we do that, then God cannot be blessed. Now God may bring us back to that path later on in our life, but if we would just stay focused on God and do what God asks us to do and yield unto Him to begin with, dear friends, we wouldn't have to make God displeased with us. And so God had a plan here. His directive was His plan. And notice it came from the Word. You know, one of the reasons that we don't know the plan of God today is because we're not in the Word of God. We're not studying the Word of God. This is His Word today. This is His Word to lost generation. It's His Word to a saved generation. It's His Word to Israel. This is the Bible, dear friends. It, not, it does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And so today, you and I today, we must remember that there is a directive that comes to each one of us and it is the plan of God. It is His will. And He told Jonah there, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach in Nineveh. Now, the city of Nineveh is a grand city. It was a great city. It, in other words, that means it was a large city. It was a big place. And here He's just one man. You might say, well... Well, preacher, I can't go do this because I'm just one person. Listen, dear friend, if everybody in the world, every Christian in the world said, I can't do this, nobody in our world would have been ever witnessed to or testified of God or any of those things, and we would not be able to have church here today. The city was a grand proportion. It was a great size, but he still he decided he was going to walk away from it. Maybe it was because he knew that Nineveh was such a big city. It was a city also of growing perversion. There was all kinds of lasciviousness and whoremongering going on in the city of Nineveh. It was a terrible place. In other words, it was kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah, if you will. It was a terrible, terrible place to be unless uh, you were a part of that. 
And sometimes I think one of the reasons that we don't follow after God is because maybe we've been a part of that terrible city. Maybe we're out there in that terrible city already, out there in the world doing the things that the world is doing. And so when God calls us to do something, listen, dear friend, we ignore it, we walk away from it because we're afraid we won't be able to speak to those people like we had been speaking to them before. When I got saved and the Lord called me to preach, there was a lot of people in my, in my I guess, uh, community of friends, if you will, uh, that decided they no longer wanted to be my friend. Now, why, preacher? Well, because I was preaching the Word of God. You know, at the age of 15 and a half and 16 years old, I'm out there evangelizing in churches, standing up and preaching youth revivals and, and teaching people in classes and things of this nature. And a lot of those people I went to school with, a lot of those people that before I had been smoking with or, or doing drugs with, after that, when I decided I was no longer going to do that because God saved me away from those things, those people didn't want to have anything to do with me. But I still wanted something to do with them because I wanted wanted to make sure that those folks would at least be able to go to heaven, at least be uh, convicted of their sin, at least be able to be saved. And they turned. I remember one of them turned away from me. He was one of my best friends. And then later on when I was pastoring uh, my first full-time pastorate, he and his wife came to church. He and his wife had been going to his mother's church and now he started coming to ours. You see, God had changed his heart from that time when I had been saved to the time that we were preaching there. This was a city of grand proportion. It was a city of growing perversion. The sin was terrible there. But it was a city also of a great potential. You say, well, preacher, why should we go into places like that? I don't want to go into places like that. Well, listen, dear friend, that's some of the greatest places we can go to and share the Word of God with. I mean, listen, dear friend, if you don't go see the sinner, how can you lead the sinner to the Lord? Amen? So we've got to get out there and go see the sinner. If we just stay around saved people all the time, then our lives are going to be pretty boring. Now, honestly, I know saved people love God and they want to do things for the Lord, but if we're just around saved people all the time, that's it. But if we go out there and we start talking to lost people and, and telling them about Jesus Christ and encouraging them and lifting them up and showing them that there's a better way, that there's something better than the life and the things that they're doing, I can promise you, dear friend, their life will get better and your excitement will jump up. One of the reasons that Christians aren't excited anymore is because they're not out there telling people about Jesus. And so we have the directive from God here. The directive was that, Jonah, you must go. And you must go where I tell you to go. Now, God's plan was not negotiable. It was something that, that Jonah could not argue with God about. If God tells you to do something, you cannot come to God and say, Okay, God, that's good for somebody, but it's not good for me. We know here that uh, this uh, call caused this issue to arise in him. Uh, he decided that he's going to go do something different. Notice here in, uh, I think it is in verse 3, he says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. 
You see, a lot of times when God calls us to do something and we start trying to offer some type of excuse to God for not doing these things, what we do usually do is we do get up, but we go the other way. It, instead of motivating us to serve the Lord and being thankful that God wants to use little old me, you know? Can you imagine that? Why do you think God would ever want to use you? But yet He does. And then, yet sometimes when He does, then what do we do? We start walking away the other way. And God does not want us to do that. So when God's plan is given to us, it's non-negotiable. And we find that the command was imparted. He told him to go, but not only to go, but go to Nineveh. God gave not only the call, but He also gave the specific plan on where to go and what to do. God gives him everything he needed there, friend. This charge that God gives him is indisputable. And yet, he cried against it, didn't he? He went the other way. Someone once asked a preacher, said, what is the definition of God's will? And they asked or answered this answer. He said, the nearest thing that should be done that he can do through you. Preacher's name was E.C. Baird. And E.C. Baird said that, friend, that when you find out the will of God for your life, you do it because it's the simplest thing that you can do. Some things are just basic, right? And I'll guarantee you that God's plan is just really a basic plan. It's something that He desires for us to do, and He wants us to serve Him, and it is non-negotiable. When God called me to preach, when God called Pastor Haas to preach, it was non-negotiable. When God called all the preachers out there and the evangelists and the missionaries to go to places, it's non-negotiable. When God called the deans to go over to Siberia, a place where it's so frigid and so cold, listen, when God called them there, they could not put up excuses. The children could not say, well, Mama and Daddy, we don't want to go there because we'll freeze to death. We don't want to go there because there's so many obstacles in our way. All that great snow, we won't be able to get out and, and do anything for the Lord. Listen, God will always make a way. He always does. So we see the, see the directive here. But not only that, I, I want you to see the defiance of Jonah. Notice the defiance in verses 3 through 16. And we read verse 3 a moment ago, so let's go on to move in verse 4. He says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares into the sea or to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship. He lay and was fast asleep. We'll continue reading that in a few moments. But my point is this. There's a rejection, actually. Instead of accepting God and accepting what he had asked him to do, Jonah actually rejects the fact of it. He goes and he gets into the ship and he, he decides he's going to go down to Tarshish instead of going down to Nineveh where God had told him to go. And he does these things and, and it, he did this to go against God. You remember last Sunday we preached to you about being backslidden? I wonder if maybe... God was trying to stop Jonah from becoming backslidden. And that's maybe why he called him to go to Nineveh and to preach the gospel. Because it was not until he received that call that he became backslidden. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? As we see this defiance, he had a mind to reject. 
He says he, he rose up, but it also has that he had the means to reject also. He boarded a ship. Satan will always have his rescue vehicle in place to snatch you from that awful God for us. God wants to use us for his glory, and we feel so used and abused. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, dear friends. This week of vacation and Bible school, it was taxing, yes. It was tiresome for all the folks. When we all went home every night after vacation and Bible school, were retired folks? Yeah, we were. But was it worth it? You know, when, when little children are standing up here and they're saying their Bible verses and they're saying their Bible songs when they're making these crafts and, and after they go home, they're still singing these things, still talking about the lessons, doing these things, getting saved. Listen, dear friend, it's worth it all. But yet, the devil here, he's always got a little vehicle ready for us to hop into when God calls us to do something. And the reason he has one ready out there is because he knows there's going to be people that's going to walk away. And so he has it ready for them. And let me tell you this today. There's probably two or three of the vehicles sitting out there that, that the devil's already got ready for y'all. And God may be calling you to do something right now. He may be calling you to help out in this church in some form or fashion, in this Sunday school class, in junior church, or on Wednesday night, or somewhere else in this church. He may be asking you to do something, dear friend. And, and listen, instead of making the commitment to do that, you're going to run out there and you're going to get in Satan's vehicle and run off down the road. Just like Jonah did. Satan will always give you an excuse. He'll always give you an excuse for not doing what God wants you to do. Now, you see here, his motive here to run away in Satan's vehicle, and that Satan's vehicle there was the ship. His motive for doing this was to, to reject God, to reject what God had, had called him to do. He rejected the presence of the Lord. Be careful. Be careful when you start rejecting and running away from the presence of God. You remember uh, some people called Adam and Eve? Remember what they did? The Bible says they ran and hid themselves. They hid themselves away from God. They, they, they tried to get away from the presence of God. Listen, dear friend, I'll be honest with you. I want God's presence in my life every single moment. I don't want to have any waking moment or even any sleeping moment where I am not in the presence of a holy, righteous God. Because when we're not in the presence of God, that's when things bad begin to happen. You know, the devil, he likes you. He likes you when you're not listening to God. He likes you when you're not obeying the Lord. He likes you when you're jumping in his vehicle. But he hates you when you're serving Jesus. And so when you're in the presence of a holy, righteous God and you're serving that holy, righteous God, He's going to keep bugging you and bugging you and bugging you. He said, I got a pretty vehicle out here. Come on, jump in it, you know. Uh, it's fast. Come on, get in it, you know. And what do you do? Well, I hope you say no to the devil. I hope you say, no, devil, God's got some things he's asked me to do, and I want to go down there. Just picture yourself being Jonah, okay? Just think for a moment of yourself being Jonah. And God says, Jonah, all of y'all are Jonah. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach the gospel in that wicked, wicked city down there. Now, it's a big city, Jonah. 
And you're going to have to work very hard down there, Jonah. Jonah, I want you to go. And here comes the devil. The devil says, Jonah, <laughs> Jonah, there's a ship down there. It's already tied off on the dock down there. It's going to Tarshish. Why don't you run down there and go do that? Oh, friend, be careful when you run from the presence of God. What happens when you run from the presence of God? Well, you go back into your shell. Many, many years ago, I came to my mother and I talked to my mother about her salvation. And I said, Mom, I asked her, I said, are you saved? And she said, well, yes, I am. And I said, but Mom, I said, you're not living for the Lord. I said, Mom, you're not studying and reading your Bible like you once did. You're not, you're not going to church like you once did. I said, Mom, are you sure you're saved? And Mom thought about it for a moment. And Mom had some terrible things to happen in her life. Some very terrible things that happened. And because of those terrible things, Mom had actually backed herself up basically into a corner in her own mind and her own thoughts. And she had kind of built a shell around her life. And that's exactly what Jonah had done here. God had called Jonah to do something, and Jonah had backed himself up so far away from God that he got into a little shell. And when he got in that ship, he went down to the sides of that ship, and he laid down and he tried to sleep. Now, when the storm came that God sent, I mean, it's beaten up against the walls of the ship. Can you think that Jonah would hear that? I would think he would. But because Jonah had gotten so far back away from God, and he's now in this shell, he's not paying attention to anything. I mean, God sent this storm, it's thundering and lightning, all these things like this is going on. Waves are crashing over the ship, getting ready to sink the ship, and Jonah's down there doing this. He's just asleep. He thinks he's at peace. Oh, I guarantee you, he better, he better make sure he sleeps very well real quickly because he's about to be in big, big trouble. <laughs> he's, a, he's about to be in a place where there's not going to be no sleep. He backs up into a shell. He goes down. He goes down very fast and very hard. And sin causes that. It affects not only you, but it also affects others. Jonah's sin was affecting everyone around him in that ship that day. Every person that was there on that ship was experiencing the same pain, the same distress that Jonah was experiencing because Jonah had disobeyed God. Can you imagine how many people around you in your life right now because you've disobeyed God is experiencing pain and turmoil and trouble because you simply walked away from God? Now let's look at the downfall. Look at verse 17. It says in verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now we know that verse is prophetic. We won't get into that right now. But notice again in, in verse 17 the downfall that happens, the penalty of sin. What is the penalty? Well, the penalty for Jonah's sin was not necessarily the storm. That was to get him awake. That was to get him thinking about these things. The penalty for his sin was to be swallowed up in that great fish that God had already prepared. Now, can you imagine how big that fish must have been? Sometimes God will hand us over to the devil to destroy the flesh. The gutter life, if you will. 
He lets us get down to the deepest, darkest point of our lives. Remember the prodigal son in the New Testament? The prodigal son thought he had it all, didn't he? He left home, had everything. He demanded these things of his father. He gets down there living this riotous life, the Bible says, and he gets down there living this, this life of Riley, you know. I mean, he's going to dance halls. He's drinking. He's, he's carousing about. He's eating. He's doing this. He's throwing money right and left, and everybody was his friend because he was throwing money right and left. And guess what, dear friends? All of a sudden, he looked in his wallet, and there was nothing there. And what happened? He lost every one of his friends that he had. In fact, he wasn't even able to, uh, to eat. He wasn't able to buy food. And so he goes down there, and he gets so low in his own darkness, in his own depth of his, of his sin, he gets so low because he's so starved to death that he gets out there in the hog trough, and he begins to eat with the hogs that have been slopped. And, and I call it slopping because that's what we called it on the farm. We went and slopped our hogs. You know what we slopped them with? It was everything that was left over from the table. It was peelings. It was milk that was poured back out it was the cereal from the morning it was a little bit of grain mixed in with that and we'd pour all that into that hog trough and those hogs would just come a running you know and they were slopping it around this way and that way. And this is exactly what the prodigal son had done. He had ran from God. He had ran from God. Now he got to his lowest point. And when he gets into that lowest point, he's so hungry that he pushes his head in that trough along with those pigs and begins eating it. And as he looks up, he looks up the hill. And he thinks, oh, he says, the, the servants of my father, they have it better than I do right now. And he's thinking about home. He's thinking about going home. He's thinking about what he needs. He's thinking about how low he's become and how he got there. And all of a sudden, he decides to get up and say, Well, I think I'm just going to go back and ask Daddy if he'll just let me be a servant. I'll just be a servant in his house. I'm no longer his son. I'll just be a servant. And the Bible says he's walking down the street. As he's walking down the street, his father there is somewhere at the edge of the house. And he, and he looks out and he sees, he, he sees somebody coming. And he thinks it's his son, but he looks and he, it looks different than his son looked before. He no longer has on those, those costly robes. Uh, he no longer has on uh, those fine, fancy duds that he had. He no longer has on that, that $100 pair of boots, you know. He, he's walking down through there. He doesn't even have shoes on anymore. His beard's grown out. His hair is scraggly. He looks filthy and nasty. And Dad says, oh, that's my son. And he turns immediately to his other son and his servants, and he says, go kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party because my son has come home. And his son comes up and he asks his father. And his father just reaches down and lifts him up and says, Son, you're fine. Go get that robe. Go get the family signet ring. And you put it back on his finger. You put that robe on his, on his back. He's part of the family again. You're returned back to your status. Oh, what a good God we have. Why do we run from God? Why do we run from someone who loves us so much? Who brings so much joy and so much peace to our hearts and our lives? You see, his downfall was in the penalty. The penalty was there. It was made for him. That fish was there. He became a, pre a prisoner to his own sin. 
He was there three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish. It was a time of unrest for him. Can you imagine being in the stomach of a fish? And you're trying to get out. You can't breathe. There's other things in there. There's seawater in there. I mean, there's uh, bones of other fish and other things that, that this great fish had eaten. It stinks in there. It's dark. It's dirty. It's damp. Now, now can you picture the picture of the prodigal and now the picture of Jonah? Jonah, his, he's not able to eat anything. I mean, because what's in there is rotten, you know. You ever smelled rotten food? You ever smelled rotten meat before? Go to, the, go to the giant down here sometimes and buy you a pack of hamburger, leave it laying out for three or four days, and open that pack and sniff of it then. When I was growing up, we had farms, and we had chicken farms, and uh, we had layer houses. And in those layer houses, sometimes you'd have to go in there in the, in the heat of the summer. It'd be 100 degrees outside. Inside, even though the fans were running, it'd be 120, 125 degrees in that chicken house. And you'd walk through that chicken house. We had to do this several times a day because some of those chickens would bunch up together and smother some of those chickens. And then those, that chicken, might, others might come and pick it to death, so to speak. And if you missed it that day, the next day when you came through, you didn't miss it because the stench was terrible. This is where Jonah was at. He was in the belly of this stench. He was in the belly of all this ugliness and this sin that he had committed and he had, because he had walked away from God. Uh, and, and then this downfall brings him to something else. It brings him to a decision. Take your Bible and turn with us over to chapter 2 of Jonah. In chapter 2 and verse 1, the Word of God says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my cry, for thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All the billows of thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. There it is. Did you just hear that? He's talking to the Lord about his sin. He's confessing his sin. And then he, he starts saying, But Lord, I know who you are. And I'm going to start looking back into thee. Verse 5 says, The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. The weeds, the fish had taken in seagrass, and they were tangling all up in him. Verse 6 says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, to the, uh, the earth with uh, her bars was uh, about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. In other words, he was saying, I was down and, and all I could feel was the rib cage of this animal, this great, this great fish. And then in verse 7 he says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto, unto thee into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that, that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Uh-oh. I think he found a revival message there, don't you think? Not only did he get revived right there, but he found a revival message. And can you imagine when and now he goes down to Nineveh? And by the way, when he does go down to Nineveh, you can read on. There is a great revival that happens in Nineveh. 
And so he goes down to Nineveh now, and he's preaching the Word of God. He's made his decision to serve the Lord. The great fish spits him back out on, uh, on the land, and, and he goes down there, and he starts telling people, can you imagine? I, I was disobeying God. I ran from God, and now all of a sudden he got this great fish, and it swallowed me up. I was down deep in his belly. I felt like I was in hell, and all of a sudden the, the fish spit me out, and I repented of my sins and got right with God. Woo! Don't let that happen to you, folks. All of a sudden, people started believing. People started trusting God. People started getting right with God. And, and, and Jonah thought, well, this was a great city, but look at all these people coming. And one of the greatest revivals that you have ever seen in the Word of God happens in Nineveh right there. Wow, wouldn't it be good if we could have a revival like that? Wouldn't it be good if people would get right with God and quit running from God? Wouldn't it be good if the opportunity is there, and it is, dear friends, for the service to God, and we would just yield unto Him? Well, friend, we're at that point today. We're at that point right now where God wants to bless us and God wants to encourage us. And all we've got to do is just make the same decision that Jonah did, the same decision to listen. Now, sometimes we make a wrong turn, do we not? And in that wrong turn, when we make that wrong turn, it's, it's tragic. Let me share a story with you about a wrong turn. Two men and a youth, Arnold Dobson and Harold Most, and his son, Harold Jr., perished in the blasting summer heat of Death Valley area. Sheriff deputies found their bodies 7, 14, and 17 miles from an abandoned car. They were kind of strung out like a black line, he says in the story. The heat turned them back, said Deputy uh, Red Landergram. In leaving their stranded car to seek help, the three had tragically headed in the wrong direction. Going toward a ranch house, they had passed 30 miles back. Just a mile in the other direction was a grove of willows and a spring. You see, sometimes when we turn and make that wrong direction, we're actually going back towards something we think is right. But listen, dear friend, just down the road, just down the road of life, God has something greater and better for us if you'll just keep on keeping on for the Lord and quit running away from Him. A spring of life, a spring of living water. Jonah recounts his... uh, his experiences in verses 3 through 9 of chapter 2, and it's a real account. Listen, dear friend, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever walked away from the Lord and you have felt that you're so far away from the Lord that you can't get things right? You've gotten deep down in depression. You've gotten deep down in, in your own desires and the life that, that you're living, and yet, dear friend, you feel like you can't get back. Well, maybe it's because you just simply walked away from God to begin with, and all you really need to do is confess your sin and turn around and walk back to God. And God is here today. God is here in your pews. He's here at this altar, and He asks you to come back. Simple as that. Go the right direction and listen to God, and I promise you, God will help you. As Sister Crystal comes and begins to play some number of invitation, whatever she picks out, She's going to come and softly play, and I want you to listen to God's Holy Spirit speaking to you as she's playing. Don't necessarily listen to the song, but listen to God's Spirit as He speaks to you. I want everybody to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed.
Let's pray. Father, as I come before your throne of grace today, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you give us warnings in your word. Warnings of the fact that sometimes when we run, Lord, that we're in for great big trouble. And Father, you, you don't only warn us of those things, but then, Father, you show us the outcome. And then, Father, you also show us the outcome if we would have gone the right way. Father, I'm asking you now, Lord, to help people come the back the right way. If they're going the right way now, Father, I hope and pray, Lord, that you'll ask them and help them to continue on that path to be a blessing to you and a blessing to this church. And then, Father, bless us, encourage us, and strengthen us. These things we ask now in Jesus' name for his sake alone. Amen. Sister, if you would just softly play, I'm going to ask you just for a few moments. We're not going to sing a song today. I just want you to listen to God. Is God speaking to you? Has God called you into something? Called you to do something in this church? And you've been walking away from it? How about it, friend? Now's your time to admit that and quit running away from it and come and seek God. Maybe it's a teacher's Sunday school class. Say, preacher, I don't have the ability to do that. Remember what I told you earlier? God will give you the tools for that if you'll just do it. Sometimes when we step out of our comfort zone, that's when God blesses us the most. Oh, friend, listen to what God's saying to you. Will you come today? Will you come? How about it? Father, as we come before your throne of grace, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the day that you've given us the sunshine outside, the rain last night, and, Lord, how you replenish the things in our lives. And, Father, we, like Jonah, sometimes we walk away and we run from you when you call us to do things. And, Father, we don't want to do that. We want to be right. We want to honor you. We want to lift you up. And we want to help other people, Father. Lord, so encourage us when we leave this place. Encourage us through the fact that Jonah finally did yield to you and finally did obey you, Father, and great things happened because of that. So, Father, will you bless? Lord, will you give us traveling mercy when we leave this place? And, Lord, bring us back tonight. In Jesus' name we ask this prayer. Amen.